0: Hi guys, welcome to the Throne Room Podcast, it's me, Taylor, your host, and I hope you all have had an amazing week so far, and have really, you know, it's a new year, so I really hope that you have started to apply some changes that you really need to make, whether it be a little bit more prayer time, reading your Bible more, whatever it may be. And so, with that being said, let's dive into our topic of discussion for today, which is titled Authenticity Matters. Um, a majority of this episode is from, going to be based from a book that I read this last year called Jesus, Bread and Chocolate, Crafting a Handmade Faith in a Mass-Marketed World. And it was a very fascinating read, for the most part. It had a lot of good points made. And, uh, so I'm going to use these points to hopefully get a coercive thought through, um... But I'm going to start with, have you ever heard of the Industrial Revolution? And you're like, okay, well, this is supposed to be about Bible, but, okay, I'm, I'm here for the right. I've heard of the Industrial Revolution. The point that I'm wanting to make is our world, our culture developed around this very timely event that is titled the Industrial Revolution. It has led to an ease of access, uh, ease of growth, ease of development, um, faster access to basic needs and faster access to beyond our needs to our every want and desire because of this development we've even seen within the last at least 10 to 20 years the you know information age or the technology boom as they call it and now everything we could ever want or need it's at our fingertips it's right there you can get any kind of information on your smartphone whatever it may be on your watches and because of this development um within the last decade or so you know, well not even last decade let's say last 30 years they've started labeling us that have grown up within this you know, technology boom the popcorn generation or the instapot generation, whatever you want to call us because we've gotten so accustomed to having speeds to the matter of seconds and the proof is in the pudding honestly I mean think about it um, if your phone doesn't load at quick enough speed, or if you're listening to something and it buffers too long, you get agitated, you get angry. And it's all because you're so used to having everything so quickly. Um, we see it within our apps that have become popular, especially within the last year or so. We've seen the rise of TikTok, which is where you have less uh, seconds to a minute to entertain, reinforce your idea, whatever it may be. And if you can't do it within that time frame, then it's just a lost cause. Um, you, especially within some workplaces, we see this like at Starbucks, which is where I work. I don't speak for the brand or the company, but within at least our store and cafe, we really focus on what we call drive times. We want it from the time that you place your order at the speaker to the time that you pick up your pay for your drink and pick it up at the window. We want it to take 30 to 50 seconds. Does not always happen? No. But for the most part, we try our best. I think the lowest time that I I have ever seen us do is 29 seconds from the speaker to the window. So it's even within some of our workplaces, this instant, we got to do it fast. We got to be fast. We got to do it fast. We got to get it done. We got to go, 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 go. Um, same can be said on the flip side that, uh, you know, if you're waiting for fast food and it's not taking, you know, And it's not taking seconds to get through, it's taking minutes. Or, you know, you've been in line for 15 minutes, why the heck is the line taking so long? Or, let's say you've placed your order and now you're stuck. Um, What's taking so long? And you become very agitated and irritated, and it's just something that you've been conditioned because of this whole point of history of the Industrial Revolution that has led us down this path. Things have become so cheap and easy of access for the majority of the world. Um, and it's we can see it within our products that we buy, how we buy products, what we do. If you have a project, you're going to try to find the cheapest thing that can get you instant results. Um, we're always looking for that quick, quick grab that's just going to be good and get the necessary satisfaction that we desire. And... Our money talks, I mean, think about it, majority of times you're going to spend your money on whatever's going to be fastest. Whatever's going to be quickest to get that satisfaction. Yes, sometimes you try to find the cheapest thing, but ultimately if the cheapest thing is what it's going to take to get things done now, you're going to do it. Uh, And spending our money tells the industry and our world that we value our time, even if it means buying the cheapest made thing out there and this whole conditioning or idealism from that comes from consumerism and materialism that's developed it's a value that grew within our society from the beginning of the industrial revolution it i mean this the industrial revolution took over mom and pop stores restaurants um i'm not to say it even left many cities in the dust and and i have a point to saying that Think about it. Back in the 40s or 50s when consumerism really took a hold of the U.S., um, we rerouted and redid our whole transit system. We introduced interstates and highways and to make things go quicker so we can get goods from one point to another so we're not driving on all these back roads and all this other stuff. Um, we reinvented our entire transit system, and in doing so, we moved whole communities and cities to either grow on the interstate or grow at the exits um think and can you know every exit always has like a mcdonald's a gas station whatever it may be you know most major exits on an interstate it's gonna have something for you so that way when you stop it's right there you're done you can get back on the highway and go and then if communities didn't follow suit like if they thought oh we're gonna stay where we're at they'll just grow come to us no As this whole uh, consumerism took over, you see this, you know, I need it now, I gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. You see us go towards this instant, quick, fast, and easy approach to buying and selling. And it really has affected even how our cities and towns have developed in the last 50 to 60 years. Um, If you didn't move as a town or community back when you could... You are pretty much, you know, you were gonna die, and you can see that if you ever get off the highway or interstate and you go to a couple cities away, it's like some kind of small, poor, dunk, poor, podunk town that just is is doing okay, but it's not surviving at all in in the comparison to you know some other towns that are right there at the exit, and we. Like I said, and I just like jumped around in my head for a second. Let's get back on task. Anyway, this whole, you know, reinvention of the transit system, I mean, it almost erased the need for trains because now we have these interstates that it's easier to transport goods and services on. Um, We actually see an economic boom happen. You know, they call it the golden age. And uh, it was a good thing at the time, but... At the same time, it has led us to where we are now, where consumerism has such a strong grip on us that, you know, our nation is just now full of mass-produced, mass-market, mass-cultural trends that just, that's how we are. And it's gotten a hold of us to the point that it's even affected our church culture over the time. I mean, think of it as this mass-produced culture rooted into every nook and cranny of American life, it eroded you know, the real deals, the authentic products and church slowly followed suit. We began to loo- lose our authenticity. And you're like, how can I say that? Like how how Taylor? Like what are you talking about? You've kind of lost me, but at the same time, what how can you say that our church has become mass produced? How how can you say we've lost our authenticity in our churches and in our you know, our walks with God? And I mean think about it. We have uh We've gotten to the point that our services are so structured that if we go way too far outside of that structure, people are like, "Mm, I'm going to go ahead and leave and go get lunch or go get dinner or whatever it may be. If the sermon just takes one minute too long, deuces, I'm heading to, to Wendy's. You know, we just got, and you, as soon as I said that, you probably thought of a couple people in your own church that... If it just goes too long, they're gone. It doesn't matter. And this is, could be some of our old saints. It could be some new people. It, it doesn't just apply to you know newcomers sitting on our pews. It, it's it's rooted in many of our churches to to think and feel like that's okay. And think about it. Many of us, not many of us, but some people struggle to worship for even just the thirty minutes of worship time. Because it's eating at precious time. And some pastors want to strangle that time for worship because they want to make sure they have enough time to give the sermon that they feel God has given them for their congregation. So they want to make sure they have enough time to get that out so that way people aren't walking out in the middle of the sermon just because they're hungry or it's taking too long. Altar calls are becoming just moments in time where we're just saying, I'm sorry, God. Oh, we're not even giving got a chance to work in us in those times. Our prayers have become short and sweet. Our music has become repetitious and simplistic. It's become three chords. Um I mean think about it. We've got songs like Freedom, Freedom and I'm not gonna sing it all, where it's literally the same words over and over again, same rhythm, same this, same that, and it's very repetitive. And let you know, sing it be dying and gone. Um you know, we used to have songs that had these major verses or stories to them, or real deep theological thoughts, and you don't see that anymore. Um, I, with you know, we we see the church culture develop a cookie cutter service set so that everyone knows what to expect, relative time frames for everything. And we've literally organized Jesus for our schedules. And anything outside of that schedule or structure is most would consider is too much or is simply pushing it. We've done so well with these structures that now our churches have just become major sources of entertainment because now we've taken sermons of, on the mound to being short inspirational messages. So everybody can enjoy a good song or two that really just tickles their fancy. And we've seen all of this entertainment type style develop these mega churches, leaving storefront churches behind and in the dust. It's created this culture within our church groups across all of Christianity, not just Pentecost, not just Baptist, where we want to keep up with the Joneses, for lack of a better phrase, within our churches. Everybody's got to have the best lights. They got to have the best singers, the best songs. We got to have lights like Hillsong. We got to sing like this group or that group. We've got to have preachers like Stephen Furtick or whoever, you know, is popular at the time and so on. And it's doing a number to our authenticity within our churches. And... Over time, we've just kept doing that, doing that, doing that to appease the masses. And now we've lost our authenticity within our services. We used to hear about stories of all night prayer meetings and worship taking control and just having a whole moment and actual moments, not just minutes of inspiration, but hours sometimes. And we've just gotten away from that. And I'm not saying to go back to just to have doing whatever you feel. But anyway, I'm not I'm not saying all this negative stuff just to be like we're horrible individuals. We're doing church wrong because there's definitely some pluses to having structure, of course. But uh, anyway, I said all of this to say this. Now, if we look at history within you know within the last ten, ten, fifteen years, we're actually starting to see a shift. In our culture in America, away from this mass-produced consumerism, less and less people, or let me say it this way, more and more people are now questioning where their products are coming from, what hands of touches, who's doing this, who's doing that. Has this been ethically, ethnically ah, ethically sourced? I'm sorry. Can't get the word out. And you see the rise of the handcrafted and the rise of mom and pops and boutiques and bakeries and so on. And part of it's because as a culture, we've started going this again. I'm just so tired of this. You know, things are starting to feel fake. It doesn't feel real. There's no real community. And so we began to search things out and develop local cafes again, local restaurants, stores, where commercialization hasn't washed over and had an effect on how places ran or developed. And it started to make communities that felt real and genuine. And there, and think about it there's just something about walking into a coffee shop and enjoying a locally roasted cup of coffee or espresso. And you know, the barista, and you and your friends always come here, you know, some of the other regulars that come here. It's created this little niche of a community that's just what we're craving as humanity. Culturally, we most of us have just are getting tired of of the mass fakeness that's came from our mass productions. We've seen the rise and cry for organic and realism and it's because the connection we once had in a time long ago before industrialization is now lost. We used to connect over our goods and services and had a community and, and as things became so easy to just pop by Walmart or Target and then leave instead of going to the local farmer's market and then that's what we did. Because we were conditioned to be that way as a culture. and But now, like I said, we're starting to question it. We've come to a point that many are questioning, you know, like, where does this come from? What does this mean to me? Is it, does it have meaning? We see more and more people, you know, 40 years of age, younger and older, you know, they're just wanting to buy more Ethically sourced goods and uh, they want something that's real they don't want fake anymore they want something that matters and I, I'll even admit myself I'm willing to pay extra for locally grown locally made products because there's a community a part of it and it, it's just something genuine I mean think about it we've seen the rise of Etsy within the last 10 to 15 years I use it to shop for the right gifts or items because it's something that is original and rare and different and and I say that because with Etsy and other stores like it online and you know markets within hometowns we see the rise of artistry within our communities across the nation and it's creating these little niche communities where people congregate and meet and talk about things and and it's a good thing. And yes, many of these market-type artsy and local source and all that were first pioneering and, and you know, f- the questions came from the hippies and hipsters. And yes, they have some outlandish ideals or thoughts in those groups, but some of them are good thoughts and ideas. And it's and a lot of this has led to what we see as a miniature revitalization across the nation of the U.S. at least and uh, for the handcraft and for the locally goods and the artists down the street and, and everything. Now, personally, I don't think we'll ever completely erode what industrialization has done to us as a society. We're completely too built for the need of having mass-produced things within our society. I mean, hospitals need things, all this stuff. It's just too needed for how we're currently set up. But with the revitalization of this handcrafted niche within our communities, it's caused a change and a cry for many for authenticity, not only in our spending habits, but in our social gatherings and living. You know, we want a more real community. We want genuine community. And authenticity should be the heartbeat of our churches and gatherings. And I'm not saying as a church we should be following cultural trends left and right, even if they're positive improvements to how we church. But I'm saying people are starving for truth and are getting tired of this fake cookie-cutter living that we've developed in our nation and in our churches. I mean, think about it. More and more people are trying to live the van life just to get out of normal life as we have set it up to be. More and more people who go to the grind are ending up with cubicle depression and anxiety and nobody wants to deal with it. Everybody just wants out. They want something different because we've gotten so accustomed to doing things one way that it's strangling our our humanity. We're, because now we're craving this community that's no longer there or the realness is no longer there because everything is so cookie cutter or mass-produced, or whatever you want to call it. And the church shouldn't be a commercialized event for a commercialized people. It needs to be this enriching, authentic encounter of people with their Savior. People don't care if you went to Bible college and know your stuff, or they don't care if you're just some kind of random scholar who picked up the Bible and read it yourself and know all your stuff. They want to know that you authentically and truly love them and care for them. And that everything you say and everything that's going on within your church community is real. They don't want you know the hill song basic stuff. They they want realness to the their lives, including their spiritual lives. Um, scripture tells us best, and it's Paul speaking to the Corinthians. And this is my rendition of this scripture. Um, it doesn't matter if I have any gifts or fruits of the spirit. I can quote scripture left and right and have the understanding of the words that I speak. And importantly, I'll even have the faith to tell mountains to move out of the way or pray that prayer of healing. But if I don't have and show genuine love, I am nothing and everything I do is for naught. We can do everything in the Christian way and wear our hair one way and dress the part and act the part. But if we don't have it in our heart and live by the love of God... Genuinely, it doesn't matter what we do. If we do not walk the walk laid out by Jesus, we're just going through the simplistic motions that we have made to make faith easy and palpable to the mass-produced man or woman. We should focus our time and energy in creating community, authentic connections and, as humanity, we crave this relationship with others, and it's important as a church or as an individual, even that we build these communities communities to be genuine places of real love and connection where we can authentically reach others. That's why authenticity matters, even you could you can't admit to yourself, and I'm going to admit to myself. I'm tired. I'm tired of the fake image that's painted over the church by this mass-produced media and industrialization. People are tired of the Christian Kate or Ken or whatever you want to call them that everyone sees all over social media and TV. And you know the ones I'm talking about, too. The ones that everything is always so well with their soul. That. and they all their images on instagram are just their bible and their cup of chai tea latte or coffee or whatever for that perfect picture and they always be posting them outfits on sunday where they're in their neutral tone outfits and they've got ranging from creams and beiges to blacks and grays and whites and as i'm saying this i personally have the image of some token white girl with peach blonde hair and perfect makeup and her floppy hat, or whatever it is that's real popular, or the one with a flat brim, whatever you at least that's what I'm imagining. If you don't have that image, it's fine. Your image is your own, but still. The, but the world isn't that so toned down and basic, it's not so cookie cutter, it's full of color, but it's also full of broken, hurting people looking for a savior. And most aren't going to turn to Christian Barbie or Christian Ken. For a cookie cutter response to their dirty rotten lives God isn't some far off being with this perfect you know has to have this perfect court of people and lording over everybody with a scepter and a crown like tyrants of empires that we've seen in the past and present he isn't some peace and love only God where it's just all good in the hood bro no he's an all powerful omnipotent being that is closer than the mention of his name and he likes to get involved with what we would consider our mundane, messy, topsy-turvy lives. Scripture teaches us that God demonstrates his love for us and how he came to us wrapped in flesh. He doesn't expect humanity to come up to his level because he climbed down that mountain, getting himself on our level and getting involved with the dirty and the broken to give us access to him and his grace and mercy. So authentically, we as Christians should follow his example. He he's got his hands dirty. To to reach humanity, why don't we do the same and remove this prim and proper cookie cutter gloves and techniques out of our mind and out of our lives and get dirty in our christian living by being real people and by stating it in the way of dirty christian living i'm just saying i'm not saying get down and get dirty i'm saying we need to get out there and be genuine and be real not everything is so washed over with this Oh, God is so good. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, If God wanted that and wanted cookie-cutter carbon copies within his kingdom, he would have made those cookie-cutter carbon copies. And That's a tongue twister. Try that for yourself. It wouldn't have been Jesus and the 12 disciples. It would have been Jesus and the 12 hymns because why trust the humanity to reach itself? But that's not the case. God didn't make two Pauls. He made Paul and Barnabas. He didn't make two Lee Stonekings or Omar Jollies or David Bernards or Stephen Furtick's or whomever else, uh, Johnny Moores, you know, all these different people. God didn't make two of them on purpose. He only made one. Yes, some of us share similar stories and testimonies, but each of us have our own journeys that are our own and each journey reaches someone else that maybe another journey couldn't Because shocker, not everyone is completely alike. And shocker again, we're not alike. You're not like me. I'm not like you. I'm not like my wife. My wife's not like me, which thank God, because we probably would murder each other. But still, you get what I'm trying to say. It's okay to be different and have these different thoughts and ideas and personalities because guess what not all personalities are going to reach the same personality i may have a group of friends that are artsy and creative that i am good with and i can handle those kinds of people but if they're sporty forget it i don't know a thing. i can't handle people who would be fit in the jock category I just, I'm not good with that. I don't know sports. I don't know anything about that. If this person is a car person, forget it. I don't know anything about cars from the get-go. But you, you might be great with cars and you might be a good Christian and you might be living your life right according to what the scripture tells us to live our lives as. And you can reach them better than I. And that's not to say that you're better than me because you can reach that person. And it's not that I'm saying I'm better than you because I can reach this other person and you can't. It's because people respond differently differently. different personas and stories and this is why we must be authentic in our walk with God and in our living for God because authenticity is craved for in our day and age and people want what's real we can't expect to apply the same thing to every group or individual it's just not gonna work anymore it's because people are coming out of that they don't want to be in a mold anymore they want to break the mold we, just, we need to drop these cookie cutter response and statements to individuals. Though yes, sometimes you find yourself quoting them once in a while. Don't let them be all you say. There's always more. We must encourage one another to live this way. To live authentically and enrich each other and enrich other lives. Even if it means sharing the parts of our lives that are hurtful and painful to us as individuals. But look at it this way. God still took those parts and made us whole. He still uses us even though we have these flaws and breaks in our lives. And those breaks are what will witness to other people be and change lives. We shouldn't be whitewashing um you know our picket fences and making everything look so perfect on the outside when honestly on the inside is what really matters and what everybody's looking for. I'm not here to debate on some other things that you feel like i may have just said i'm just saying you can you know what best example ever best example just came to me hold on listen to this this is revelatory i'm kidding think about it jesus looked at the pharisees and said you are as white sepulchers on the outside beautiful wonderful looking people that have it all together but on inside you are as dead as bones meaning they had it all together on the outside and they looked the part and they all looked it had the cookie cutter stuff down and everything but guess what on the inside they were trash better word taylor use better words um they were trash they were horrible they didn't have it together they weren't real they were just as dead as the next person and we need to make sure that on the inside we are living our authentic true selves with christ Working on our salvation just like everybody else and being as real as possible with everyone that we come in contact with. We shouldn't have to put on a smile every day and pretend everything's okay when it's not. It's okay that you're not okay. You know what? Sometimes that will reach somebody better than everybody else. You, you know, just sitting there and saying, you know what? today is not my day, but you know what? God's still good and he's still on the throne. And he's got it all together, you know? i may not have all the answers but i'm figuring it out sometimes being that honest with somebody is what's going to change some people's minds about christianity as a whole and its church as a whole because people are like i said tired of this christian barbie and ken response everything's so good in the neighborhood god is oh yes god is so good oh let me sip my chai latte today. Oh my goodness, God is so good to me. Y'all, you should have said what I read in Psalms today. Even though all we all know, you didn't read Psalms, Barbie. But anyway, you get what I mean. This this whole caricature of living a lie when you're not. I'm trying to word this in a way that's correct. <laughs> This is why ultimately our authenticity matters, because we can't continue to put on this facade on the outside to reach people. We have to not only have everything down on the outside, we need to have it down on the inside so that way we can be real. Because trying to paint everything over and look the part and act the part is what's hurting us the most right now. We we need to put it out there and be real with people we just have to be authentic because it's getting to a point where authenticity matters people don't care if you know the stuff or if you act the part or have the clothes down or have your hair put in the right way because guess what people don't have it all together but they're still looking for a savior and they need to know that you the people that are saved we don't have it together either we don't and that's a whole other topic for another day. And I feel like I've got off on a tangent for a second. But I hope all of this, hearing all of my ramble, has impacted some kind of a thought into your mind, I guess. Impact is the wrong word. Plant a thought within your mind that authenticity... <laughs> I can't talk today. Uh, authenticity is what matters to today and it always will remain to be the real thing and we have to be real. We can't we can't continue to be Barbie and Ken of the Jesus movement and and all that jazz. Some of us came from thug hood backgrounds, some of us came from redneck backgrounds. Some of us came from drugs. Some of us came from sexual perversion. And some of us came from pornography addictions and the such like. But you know what? The Bible even says that many of us were that. But we were saved and sanctified and we have set apart and we're trying to be better. We're, we are honestly giving it our all, being empowered by the spirit, getting over our flesh, getting over our sins and trying to. Work out our salvation and faith with God. And you know what? The such like are out there. They're still waiting for that real authentic person to come by and say, you know, hey, are you okay? And they may tell you, no, I'm not okay. That's okay. And you guys have an honest conversation about what's going on in their life. And start honestly talking about what Jesus has done in yours. And that's going to speak volumes about you as an individual, as well as the church. So we must be authentic in every matter of life. That's all I had today. It was probably a lot of rambling. It was a thought. I, you know... I did have a moment that I got off my notes really bad, and I'm sorry, again, that's just me being (laughs) authentically me, because I am scatterbrained, and I'm insane, not really, um, but I do hope that this episode has encouraged you, and made you think, hmm, especially as we're going into this new year and trying to make changes for the betterment of ourselves and our spiritual walks, I hope that this has come as a great aid to you. I hope to see you next time. We are planning to have another guest speaker here in a couple episodes. I haven't decided when they're coming, but they're coming. And uh, we'll go from there. I hope you all have a wonderful day and a marvelous year. Mm -hmm, Bye.